welcome to Progress Your Beer. My name is Garrett Allen, and I am a professional brewer and an avid brewer at home. And I'm here to help you accelerate your progression through the beer making process and quickly get higher quality brews. This is episode number 27, and today's topic is Off Flavors Part 3. This is the final episode, at least for now, that touches on a variety of off flavors. The past few weeks, I've gone through and talked about the main off flavors that occur in uh, the brewing process and how to avoid or fix them. This week is similar, but I'll talk about just a couple more and what to look for when tasting and analyzing your beer. But first, a few quick asks because this show is free and I try to give you the best information I have to make your beer better or brew life easier. They help support me and keep all this running. I've spent a good year plus working on getting the New England IPA style figured out and tasting like the breweries that have become top dogs in the hazy IPA game. I found that's really down to a few key things that you need to consider in your ingredients and process that really elevate hazy IPA to another level, or just IPA in general. It doesn't have to be hazy. Um, Instead of the same old sweet orange citrus IPA that happens to be hazy, these keys will help you make IPAs with interesting and differentiating aromas, great drinkability, and full in flavor and texture without the gimmicky use of lactose or non-grain additives for enhanced mouthfeel. To get my video lessons on this, head on over to progressyourbeer.com. Link to that will be in the podcast description. Let me know who you are and give me an email address where I can send you free short video lessons on making delicious New England IPA. And if you like this podcast and have found the information useful or interesting, please give a five-star rating and review on your platform of choice. It helps drive organic growth and discussion, which is awesome. And please tell a friend who you think their beer sucks and needs to know more. And finally, follow me on Instagram for quick tips and fun photos. Handle is progress your beer. Now back to some more off flavors. So the first one I'll discuss is not super common and kind of something that I haven't seen a whole lot of people look for. Um, it's metallic. Now this one you can only avoid and not really fix. Uh, and, and it is very apparent, at least for me, when this becomes an issue. Metallic off flavors taste just like they sound. Um, it will come across ferrous or iron-like, like uh, blood or when, you know, when you, when you touch some copper on a penny or something and that uh, reacts with the stuff on your skin to give a metallic smell. This is never an acceptable flavor in beer, as far as I know. And if it is acceptable in some obscure style, it shouldn't be. Some tips and tricks to sense this off flavor if you aren't getting it right away, if you do know, or even if you're just trying to analyze your own beer to see if this is an issue for you, is to dip your fingers in the foam of your beer. If you listen to the head retention episode I published a few weeks back, you'll know that metal ions... Uh, they can be awesome for head retention as they kind of uh, are part of the bridges to some of these um, to some of these foam building blocks. And because of this, they congregate in the head of beer. They can get a little more concentrated there. So you can stick your finger in the beer's foam 
Again, if you've listened to the Head Retention Podcast, you'll also know that this isn't a good idea to keep your foam around for very long. Um, but if you're curious, uh, stick your finger in there or rub the foam on your wrist, the back of your wrist or whatever, so it's easier for you to get your, your nose holes, and the metal will react with amino acids on your skin and produce the aroma that we all associate with metal. Because metal really doesn't technically have an aroma because metal ions are not volatile. Well, they shouldn't be. Uh, but the compounds that they make uh, with our own bodies, uh, with our own body's compounds, that's what we associate the smell of metal with. So that's a good way for someone to analyze and, and look for a metallic off flavor. Metallic off flavors can come from a variety of problems, but the most common would be if someone's using untreated well water with lots of iron in it, or if you're using a municipal water supply that's going through maybe some old infrastructure that has some iron in it. You'll need to treat your water or find a different water source to brew with. That's going to help significantly with any metallic off flavors you might come across. And then another source that's not quite, I mean, I have literally never met a home brewer who uses diatomaceous earth, but they might be out there. So um, these metallic off flavors can come from uh, filtration media with iron contamination. Uh, that's typically diatomaceous earth. Um, or if you get contact with your brewing water uh, or wort with metals that aren't stainless. So um, if you're brewing with a copper kettle, that maybe can become an issue. Uh, I'm not going to say it is because I know some wonderful uh, breweries who still use copper in their brew house. So I, I guess this is my way of saying is most importantly, um, using uh, only stainless or copper is what you want to do with your beer. Um, not only your wort and beer, but also the water that you're going to brew with. And then the next off flavor, um, it's kind of, uh, it. this is like a contentious off flavor among brewers. Which is interesting to me because I, I've gone through a lot of beer sensory and it does happen, but dimethyl sulfide or DMS, this compound is described as uh, a few things, uh, corn or creamed corn, cooked veggies, even black olive. I usually just get it as creamed corn around a uh, flavor threshold. Um, it can... It can almost come across as malty, but not quite. It's it's got like a an interesting twinge to it, almost a, a sweet sweet aromatic to it that's kind of grainy and 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 yeah, I, I would describe it as creamed corn. So I get that around flavor threshold, but I have gotten it in really high levels that come across more like black olives. So depending on the concentration and stuff, at least for me, it comes across as different things, uh, much like a lot of these uh, off flavors. The, the most common like anecdotal 
thing I hear about DMS is that brewers don't need to worry about it because malt is so highly modified that it just isn't an issue, even in Pilsner malts. And, you know, I I think this is wrong. Uh, DMS occurs naturally uh, from a precursor in malt, and maybe modern malting uh, helps uh, reduce this precursor. Um, and kilning also reduces this precursor. So um, using something like a base two-row pale malt or a pale ale malt or something that's kilned a little more might help. I just, I think that this this misconception, and, and yeah, maybe today's malt is uh, much less prone to DMS. That can be a thing. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, Homebrewers don't typically have this issue because a lot of them boil their uh, their beers uncovered outside um, and with no condensation occurring and getting back into the kettle. However, if you're a homebrewer and have had DMS issues, um, look at your boiling and cooling regimen. So make sure that vapors are escaping and not uh, condensing back into the boiling wort. Larger commercial setups need to be very aware uh, of this as condensation in exhaust stacks can come back down into the beer. And that volatized off flavor uh, like DMS is just going to condense back down into a liquid form and drop back down into your beer and you're not going to volatize off this off flavor and you're going to have a bad time, especially if you're making a lager. So a condensation trap that catches any condensation coming back down through the stack and redirecting it out of the kettle uh, will help alleviate uh, either a poorly designed brew house or a brew house that's designed with a lot of limitations. Uh, that can make it not as efficient as expelling volatile compounds. And then keep your cooling times short. DMS can still develop at elevated temperatures like whirlpooling for long periods of time. Uh, and then without that vigorous boil, um, you're not volatizing off DMS quite as much or as, as well as you are while you're boiling. So then it kind of just stays retained in the beer and um, you're not going to have a good time. So ales, they're less prone to DMS than lagers because DMS can also be scrubbed off uh, pretty easily with a vigorous fermentation um, and higher fermentation temperatures. So, uh, you know, if you do have some DMS in your wort when it's going over to a fermenter, if it's an ale and you're fermenting it at it's 68 degrees uh, Fahrenheit or something like that, um, it's going to retain much less DMS. DMS really is volatile, and if I get a beer that has it in it, it's only like, you know, if it's in low enough concentrations, I'll pour it and that initial whiff, I'll get some DMS and it'll eventually go away. Um, usually <laughs> there, there, I have also had beers that 
Uh, it's in such high concentrations that it never goes away. <laughs> and you can even become kind of nose blind, uh, just like uh, H2S. Um, if you get a whiff of that, um, it can either volatize off or um, it has a tendency to kind of hang around in your in, in your uh, senses and you start becoming blind to it. And um, I worked in the oil field, so uh, H2S is a big thing because um, even if you smelled it, um, you can become nose blind to it and, th and then you don't smell it anymore and it's dangerous and, and yada, yada, yada. So same thing applies to beer if you're smelling it and it just kind of overwhelms your senses and you stop becoming sensitive to it. Um, that can happen as well. So there's a lot of things that go on with um, with sensory and stuff like that. But again, I went off on a tangent and we're going to come back to ales versus lagers and DMS. Uh, so like I said, lagers are more susceptible to DMS because they are fermented at a lower temperature and, and therefore typically with less vigor and DMS isn't scrubbed off quite as readily and doesn't come out of the fermenter quite as much. So for a lager, either boil for a good amount of time. I do an hour um, for my ales, but there are people who will go shorter and get great results. Um, but my last lager, I boiled for 75 minutes and it was 100% Weyermann Bohemian Pils malt. And it came out great with a cold fermentation. Yeah, I boiled for 75 minutes and then chilled really quickly, and I did not get any DMS with this. Uh, but if you are a first-time lager brewer, uh, using uh, or Fermentus Saf Lager 3470 is a German lager yeast um, that ferments very cleanly, even at warm temperatures. Um, there's not a whole lot of difference between at least ester-wise, um, fermenting uh, this yeast either cold or warm. Uh, warm, I mean mid-60s, mid to high 60s. So this can potentially help alleviate any uh, DMS issues by having a little more um, vigor to the fermentation being so warm and, uh, and still avoiding fruity esters in your lager. So I highly recommend that uh, 3470 dry yeast, uh, and that's another thing, it's a dry yeast, and super easy to work with, and is so forgiving. So if you're daunted by trying to do a lager, uh, this might help ease your concerns. And again, don't worry too much about DMS uh, for ales. Uh, that you're fermenting in the high 60s or low 70s with a healthy pitch of yeast for a vigorous fermentation. I've done hop stands for up to an hour without any issues of DMS in an ale, but have found that it doesn't really necessarily stand up for lagers. So to recap, use a good clean water source for brewing beer to avoid metallic off flavors. Also avoid contact uh, with your brewing water or wort to ferrous materials or uh, metals that are a risk to leaching into your beer, um, filtration media that, that uh, you don't know its source or any of that can also be sources of iron contamination in your beer. Um, so basically anything that's not stainless steel, 
or copper try to avoid um, I personally avoid copper but um, that doesn't mean the people who use copper make metallic beer and then boil your wort with a good amount of healthy removal of condensation no lids on your boil kettles uh, unless it's a condensation lid that's pulling a good amount of vapor from your boil uh, remove as much of that com condensation as possible and don't let it drip back into the wort chill your wort as quickly as possible if you're doing a lager beer at cold fermentation temperatures and then ales are usually fine but still do as little whirlpooling at elevated temperatures as possible I've been fine with my extremely hoppy beers, but that doesn't necessarily mean it works for any ale. So I think that's it. If I missed anything or if you have questions, send me an email, garrett at progressivebeer.com. Feedback and questions are what help me give you the content that you want to know more about. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. See you next week. Cheers.